0: About. You scream, I scream in their song Cars, you've been listening to. I thought uh, that will kick off episode number 40 with You Scream, a Nantucket local band. It's been around and it's pertinent to today's episode and my guest today. But before we get into that, I want to ask you, Nantucket, are you enjoying November? We're in it. The time changes tonight. You got to set your clocks back. Things are getting darker early. It's just that time of year. It's a crazy time of year, too, in this world, in the United States. November 8th, things are going to change. And I wish I had some inclination of which way it was going to go. And I really don't. And I was thinking about this the other day, like, what a crazy time it is to live in the United States. Like, we are in the midst of a paradigm shift, potentially, and uh, some think it's good and some think it's bad, but uh, either way you sit, it's, a, it's sort of an exciting time to be an American. You can look at it that way, uh, scary or exciting, but uh, nonetheless, you know, you're going to have to make a choice and uh, you got to vote either way. Uh, I don't know which way. You, some of you guys are slipping, but uh, you just got to get out and exercise that constitutional right as an American. And uh, it is a crazy time. And I'm very curious to see how it turns out. Uh, Want to encourage you all to vote on your ballot for uh, what is it? Section four, the legalization of marijuana. Uh, I am a supporter. I've been uh, down the rabbit hole a lot, and uh, I think that it's an important. It's an important initiative, and ultimately, I think the regulation could. Uh, make things a little easier and accessible. And I think, listen, if alcohol is legal, so should marijuana. Because let's face it, alcohol is a drug just like weed. And, uh, you know, it'll be regulated and uh, it, it could benefit the state as far as tax revenue. And for medical purposes, for recreational purposes, I think it is a healthier option used recreationally. Uh, as just like alcohol. Anyway, that's my two cents. But uh, actually, we talk a little bit about it in this episode. But either way, folks, get out there and vote. Make sure you do your due diligence and uh, get out there and exercise that right. It is your right, Nantucket. And hopefully, you guys can feel good about your decision. That being said, folks, all right, I'm not going to babble on I did mention I just went over to uh, the Inky Mirror to check out what's going on. They have a new website up. Thought that was pretty cool. Long overdue. Their website was so antiquated, it looked uh, it looked uh, like it needed a facelift. And I, I was like, "Whoa, check this out! They got a brand new website. They're getting it done. They're they're stepping it up." Inky Mirror. I need to have someone from the Inky Mirror on the podcast. Uh, if anyone's a reporter out there, I forget what the guy's name is. I'd love to speak with someone from the newspaper. Reach out to me. That's a great opportunity, actually, now to tell you that uh, if you do want to reach out to me, you can get in touch with me at InsideTheWhaleACK at gmail.com or hit me up on Facebook, and that's InsideTheWhaleACK. We also have an Instagram page, and I like how I said we. Like, it's a huge office. There's a whole team of people pecking away at computers, trying to bring me stories, I wish. I wish. I wish it was that easy. I'm sitting in a bedroom right now trying to keep it down while my kid takes a nap. Nonetheless, uh, anyway, just want to give sh- give a shout out to uh, anyone that wants to get in touch with me with ideas for shows or guests, possible guests. I'm open to it. I want to make this the best possible podcast it can be. And it's for you, Nantucket. Hope you guys are doing well. Hope you guys survived Halloween, went downtown, Took the kiddo down. She was dressed as a lamb and walked around uh, Main Street and had a lot of fun. You know, it really, uh, you see the sense of community come out. You feel it, and it's awesome. It's a really cool place to be in October, you know? Nantucket, man, I think this island is, is just so cool this time of year. It's so mellow, nice. Everyone's in a good mood. There's no summer energy. So let's enjoy it, Nantucket. Let's enjoy it. So enough about that, let's get to today's episode. Episode number 40, which is crazy that this is the 40th episode. I can't believe that uh, I've gotten this far in the journey of Inside the Whale, but we're here. And I thought it fitting to do episode uh, episode 40 with uh, Floyd Kellogg. And some of you may know Floyd. Floyd is a good friend of mine, and uh, Floyd is the reason that I ended up on Nantucket, uh was six and a half years ago we were sitting in a bar in Brooklyn and I said hey man what are you doing this weekend and he said I'm going out to Nantucket to play a gig and that's when the seed got planted and this is weird I don't know I've talked about this in the podcast before but something clicked something made me go out and uh oh shit the dog's barking hang on oh god do you guys ever have that in your neighborhood when one dog starts barking and then the other one starts barking, and they all start kind of talking to each other in the neighborhood. It's like a bark fest And it always happens right as I put the kid down. God. All right. I think it's quieted down. Man. But it always happens. Whenever I put Piper down, the dogs start talking to each other. It's like they know what I'm doing. Anyway, so I'm back in. I am back. Uh... Oh, hang on. Oh, hang on. This is a pro show here, folks. Just just know that it's a pro show, all right? Anyway, Floyd and I were in a bar. He told me he was going out to Nantucket, and that's where the seed got planted. And uh, it's because of him that I ended up coming out to Nantucket and now live here. And uh, Floyd has been, uh, I will say, an influential guy for me, you know? He's uh, hands down one of the most talented musicians that, uh, that I've ever seen play or played with. I have to say, he is an unbelievably gifted, uh, talented musician. And uh, those of you that have seen him play in one of the million of bands that he's in out here, <laughs> which we talk about, uh, you know just how talented he is. And, uh, you know, I'm proud to say he's a good friend, and uh, and I'm lucky, I feel very fortunate that I've been able to play music with him. And uh, his his effort and his ability to... To just the stamina to keep playing and, and was worthy of a podcast. People should know a little bit about more about his work ethic and uh, how hard he he works. And I think his story is really the story of how hard you have to work in this day and age to make it to support yourself as a musician. And uh, Floyd's definitely one of the guys that's doing it. You know, rock and roll is not easy and it's it's even harder in this day and age, and he's able to do it, you know running off the island to go play a gig, coming back to play two shows, some days playing three, four shows a day in the summertime. Cocktail hour, then then a brewery gig, and then uh, playing the chicken box at night. So, you know, uh, he, he just deserves to have episode 40. How's that make you feel, Floyd? But uh, he is a good friend of mine, and it was hard because, you know, we, we joke around with each other, so I was trying to keep it serious. And uh, I hope you guys find it interesting. You know, some of you guys might find it a little boring, uh, listen to two musicians yak it away, but uh, his story should be told and uh, I think he deserves uh, hopefully you guys can get a better feeling for who the man behind the guitar behind the drum kit is and uh, it's my friend talented musician all around great guy and uh, you know he's a rock star so let's go in right, Floyd nice. this one's right for way. you bud let's here's our conversation show us your, crooked jaw. Show us your wrinkled brow rise.
1: HE RISES! 30 miles out of going deep. INSIDE THE WILD! A whale as
0: big as an island. A whale, a whale, a whale, a whale as, as big as, as an, an island. island. Maybe this will work. I don't know. I ha- Can you sit down, please? Right I- yes. I have your music teacher on the line. So I think this, this is-, is... This is him? Yeah. You, do you know his name? Yeah. I do. <laughs> so this is just how I figured we'd start with your music teacher since you are a musician. Hello? Hello! Hello, uh, on the phone we have uh, this is this is Floyd Kellogg's music teacher, Mr. What was his name? Uh, uh, McDonald. Is this Mr. McDonald? Uh, Floyd Kellogg. <laughs> is or, it, Earl McDonald? I, I wanted to surprise you, Floyd. So, yeah. I, so I. I, I, I do not want to talk to Floyd Kellogg. He ruined my music career. Uh, I was well. I just oh, had a interesting. few. I just had a few questions about Floyd as a music student in uh, <laughs> in college. Oh, yeah, me too. Well, I'll tell you one thing. He never practiced his scales. He <laughs> never, ever. He never. He never. His tones were wrong. His modes, the, the Pythagorean. Don't get me started. Jeez, Mr. McDonald, I thought you'd have some positive things yeah, to really. say about. Yeah, really, this isn't. Uh... I thought you'd have some positive things to say about Mr. Kellogg, uh, and you know, well. he, you know, he's a working musician out here on Nantucket. Did you know that? Yeah, I'm surprised that Mr. McDonald hogwash. still has a job. That is hogwash, and he's probably making but, that EDM music all these kids are playing. Well, Mr. McDonald, I thought you'd have a little more positive uh, reinforcements for someone that was a a former student. Uh, Is there anything you'd like to say to him?
1: I'm really sorry. I was just jealous of his hair.
0: Mr. Mr. McDonald,
1: is uh, Jazz dead? He had the fullest,
0: most beautiful
1: hair you've ever seen. <laughs> I'm going take that as a
0: yes. Whoa. <laughs> I didn't think we were going to go there, Miss McDonald, but I, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to uh, speak with a former student. And uh, where are you now, Mr. McDonald? I'm in a mental institution up in <laughs> New York. Well, that's been very informative. And uh, are you playing music presently, Mr. McDonald? Is it Bellevue? Mm, well, we're, we're starting a band in my um, in my sector of the ward. It's uh, it's gonna be good. Oh, well, thank you very much, Mr. McDonald. Uh, Floyd Kellogg's uh, former music student from Con K- uh, College, who's now uh, institutionalized. I'll give you a buzz later. All right. All right. Oh, that was just a big surprise, huh?
1: Yeah. Um, you, he's yeah. It wasn't very flattering.
0: No. I told myself that I wasn't gonna try, and it was weird doing. I, it wasn't. I was gonna not. We weren't gonna do the. F- we're not be funny. It would be informative for people listening, and I already, I already just threw that right to the curb because we started out with your music teacher.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Digging into my past is funny, I guess. <laughs> is that we, that's where you get that. Well, I why, did, why in fact, what's the uh, what's the idea here? Like why. Is this like a, you know, do you you like run
0: out of other people to interview? Well, this is called... What what are we doing here? This is called a podcast. So it's like a radio show that's on the internet. uh Uh-huh. I've I've heard those. Okay. I've been on lots. And uh, you're my guest today. And Uh and it's weird because this is episode number 40. Yep. Not really that significant, but it's a round number. Well, it is. 40 episodes is something. You, you know, and I figured I'd kick it off. This is the first time that I've had a uh, a close friend as a uh, a guest, so it's it's a little awkward for me because I don't know, I didn't know how to approach it, and I'm yeah. just gonna, I didn't know, and w- and I was like, well, I'm not gonna be funny. We're not gonna, it's not gonna be our normal Lance Mountain jerk story. We could just shit. throw inside jokes around. Yeah, because that's not just, interesting to people. Um, I guess not. I don't know who's your audience. Uh, I'll tell you who my audience is. People. I mean, that, my my mom might listen to this, so have, she'll you'll be, have a play. She'll be very proud. Um, Earl McDonald will probably listen to this. Earl McDonald. <laughs> that was such a surprise. You know, I got his name from uh, one of your former bandmates. <laughs> you, don't know, you don't know who that is? Yeah, and, and he said, uh, call Earl. He'll know everything you want to know about Floyd. Because we wanted to get inside the head of uh, Nantucket's premier musician. Can I? Can I dare to call you that? That's pretty lofty, it is. I think. So the amount of them. Um, uh, this out is going to be called yeah. the Floyd. I'm end up doing a podcast here, honey. Oh, okay, we're gonna leave now. All right. Have fun. Bye. Oh, is that how these usually go? Yeah. Say bye, yeah. bye pipey. You don't hear this on NPR. Bye, Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> your your wife and kid leaving the room. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now they're gone. We can break out the beer. <laughs> So let's freak out the hard stuff. Yeah, it's only 10. Can we shut the door? When did you... I'm going to e- shut the door. All right. Hold on. Yeah. You can ask the question. Yeah. yeah, all right. Believe me, folks, this is really awkward for me, too. So you're, you're, you're witnessing this live. Just by you saying that, it's... Ha- it makes it awkward? Yeah, it's like... It's not awkward. Uh, you No, know, it's not. I mean... It's not really, but I guess it is for me because I know you. But I guess for other people that don't... You can put the pieces of the puzzle of the Floyd Kellogg puzzle together. When did you start? I
1: feel very comfortable with the microphone.
0: When did you start playing music?
1: And looking at you.
0: <laughs> when did you start playing music? Uh, uh, when, I,
1: when I was um, t- in fourth grade, fourth grade? What's that, 11? 10? No. What was your first instrument? Nine? Fourth or fifth grade? Uh, the bass guitar.
0: Is your family musical? No.
1: They, um, no. Kind of. like. There was a piano in my grandmother's house <laughs> that she won on The Price is Right. <laughs> Everyone had those. Yeah, the,
0: the, the, did she win it on The Price is Right? She
1: won on The Price is Right, and she, she, she was on episode and won like a dining room set and like a piano. Really? Yeah.
0: That's amazing. I know. It was, yeah, it's kind of crazy. So, she, do you uh, have, is it taped anywhere? Do you have a copy of it? See, these are the little nuggets I wanted to throw at you that you didn't know. That's a good <laughs> nugget. I don't know. That's, a, that's, a, no, actually,
1: sh- I'm, I was thinking the same
0: thing. I was like, I wonder how uh, I could find that. I don't know if there's some kind of, I, I actually, that I think uh, that tried when I was in high school, my friend Dan and I went and we tried to get on The Prices Right. We only made it into the audience. But it is... It's Seriously? A, yeah, yeah. No. So it's pretty intense because everyone's trying to outdo each other to get picked. Because the way they do it, they put you in a big room and all these people are dressed up with signs and like... So everyone, they do like a one-minute, two-minute interview before they you pick go you in. on how obnoxious you are with that? Yeah, like, like... What's you- the... Well, I, they go. They just have these screeners. Mm-hmm. Like, so you're in a big waiting room, and then you go through, and there are these two people with clipboards, and they say, "Hi, where are you from?" And so they, I basically they have to like they gauge you and who's going to be a good contestant. So it's all pre-picked. So your grandma was pre-picked. She must have had that special something.
1: Yeah, she was. She was a very uh, um, yeah outgoing person. So she won a piano. Oh, a dining set, and it came mm-hmm. with a piano well she got both of those two prizes or something like that
0: yeah and it sits in a front living room with white carpet with vacuum marks on it that doesn't get touched yeah it did totally yeah it left them
1: i don't know where that is now who knows but uh yeah but they you know in terms of music stuff she had that piano which is i don't know and um <laughs> did but you play I didn't, it i don't know we go bang on it and go over there but uh my uncle my uncle had a he was into like electronics and fix things and like an inventor my who was my uncle being my grandmother's son, son that one and um and this is a kind of a side story too my grandfather you know was married to the my grandmother. Um, That's usually that how part- that works. <laughs> well, that particular side of the family. <laughs> he he invented this paint that conducts electricity. He invented a paint. It, you paint it on something, and it conducts electricity.
0: He owns the patent on it. Now, well, how, I would think you'd want the opposite,
1: um, right? I think for certain, he worked for GE and for... Wouldn't you want I, paint to it's, deflect it's, electricity? It's, well, it depends on the. I don't think any paint's going to just conduct electricity on its own. You have to really like will it to do that. Is so it, I don't. I don't know exactly the application, but he has that. My uncle still runs the business. He lives in Arizona now, but he still runs the business of. Um, um he still runs the business of. Uh, keeping that going what's it called what's the name of the pain it's called it's meyer products because that's her last name that's
0: meyer pretty Brothers. crazy
1: he says he doesn't have to advertise or anything he has the same amount of clients he
0: just keeps it rolling that's amazing is and he like, wealthy like i love those kind of stories where he, he supports
1: mil- his family on it and
0: become yeah, millionaires off of some He's... random you know random invention <laughs> yeah i mean yeah
1: my uh grandfather worked hard at inventing stuff. And then, so my uncle also invented stuff and he's the one that keeps that business going, but he had in his living room, uh, a guitar he was fixing. It was a bass guitar. And when I went over there, they lived down the street from me. I'd go over there. I'd be like, I would sit there and be leaning up against the couch and I wouldn't pick it up, but I'd pluck the strings. You know, I thought it was just like, I was, you know, touching this piece of like, China that wasn't supposed to touch or something. And then uh eventually I uh you know he's like well I don't know give it a shot and he p- would plug it into the stereo system. You know that was like your yeah. amplifier. So you could just kind of faintly hear it. Yeah, you could hear it. I was like whoa and um I was like oh I love the guitar. He's like well it's a bass guitar and I was like whatever. It looked the same to me. And then uh and he brought me he, he, I was like, what's the, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. He kept talking about the bass, bass guitar. And then he brought me into his car where you could hear the bass really well. He put on a song, he turned up the bass. So he's like, that's the, the bass, you know? Oh yeah. That low thing.
0: That's the low end, baby. But at the time, I
1: think I only heard like the low like kick drum. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I think I know what you're talking about. It didn't matter. All I saw was like, that looks like the same thing Guns and Roses plays, you know. Yeah. So, what year is that? <laughs> uh, whenever Appetite for Destruction came out.
0: So, eighty nine. Is that eighty seven or eighty nine? I don't know. I don't know. How old are you? Um, thirty six. Uh, thirty seven. You're thirty mm-hmm. seven. So, you were born in nineteen. I'm horrible with math. You were born nineteen eighty. Seventy nine. Seventy nine. I lived through the seventies yeah <laughs> yeah you did big time <laughs> and uh, and so were you playing in like jazz ensemble in high school? Well, first is I would like um playing rock tunes. they brought me to a teacher,
1: and i this guy he used to just take records and put them on and he'd take the record and and then tape you know record it onto a tape I could bring home. Uh-huh. he had the vinyl record, and he would um he was just like hippie dude. And he would play, I mean, he would play all kinds of stuff.
0: What's one record that sticks in your mind from that? What, what the most influential record at that time to you, can you think that he introduced me to? Yeah. What, 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 think, what blew your mind?
1: Um, Bob Marley kind of blew my mind. He would, he would put on some Bob cause I was just kind of, I remember that music sounding like I used to think it sounded like when I heard grateful dead and, Bob Marley. It sounded like, in an, like antique, or mm. something like old. It was being telegraphed from. Was it a particular else. Bob Marley record? I don't know if it was the quality recording or whatever. No, the first song you showed me was One Drop, which is off of. Uh, I don't know. I should know that um, that Andre a Kaya? It was Probably kill me if I don't know. Um, Anyway, um, so I'm trying to think. And then there was other, like, I would learn, like, rock songs by
0: whatever, Def Def Leppard. Right. Photograph? Yeah. Hysteria. (laughs) That record, you know, it's it's cheesy, but it still kind of still holds its weight, you know? Hysteria? Yeah.
1: I I think it's super, I, I think it's super cool. I don't know. I'd give it a spin you know, every now and then.
0: I just love really, like that was, you know, bands would have two different, they have th- maybe even three guitar players. Def Leopard had three, I think. Something right? like that.
1: And that was Mutt Lang produced that. It was like a really, that's when that drummer lost his arm right before that record. Yeah. And so they had to produce the record. I think, you know, making like drum loops and having him play along with it and the sequency thing.
0: And, And then uh, there's a whole story in there. That's one of those side notes that as a band, you never want like, oh God, you're the band with the one arm drummer. You know, it's like, it's, it's sort of this like historical side note that just surrounds the band and he continued to play, which is kind of awesome. Yeah. I think that's real awesome.
1: Uh, yeah. They have like a behind the
0: music thing where they're like they had a lot of problems i think I find but they kept going def leppard is like a uh, <laughs> is comedy to me like rock it's, it's kind w- of spinal tap yeah enough. i mean just like the <laughs> the fact that like someone sat down at the, the table and was like all right i got the song it's called pour some sugar on me <laughs> and they actually wrote the lyric do you want i think in the lyrics doesn't it say do you want one lump or two doesn't he say like a lump of sugar yeah, yeah, yeah! It's all this like take, innuendo. Take the bottle. I mean that like is just so bizarre. Sing it. Oh man! I, anyway, we'll get off. We'll get away from the death. Yeah, language. yeah. Like, like, <laughs> this is the most
1: I've ever talked about that <laughs> band ever. <I> know. <laughs>
0: well, you know it's interesting, isn't it? Awesome. It's awesomely comedic. All right, so you play in in high school. Where'd you go to college for music? Um, University of Connecticut, which isn't like pumping out the, the hits. No, but they Would had, you say you're the most famous musician to come from. I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Do you consider yourself no, famous? That's, no. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: if yes, you do. If, you're lying. If I'm the most famous musician that's come out of there, I probably shouldn't say that I went to UConn then this man. Whew. Um, no, I think there's a lot. No, there's a lot of good musicians came out of there. Uh, Josh Dion's great drummer. Did he go there? I forget. Um, he studied with the teachers there. This other dude, Jim Oblon, who lives in Nashville now, He's was a drummer with Paul Simon. Um, but now he plays like more guitar. I check out his stuff a lot online i played with them a long time it's not ago. like it's a berkeley though right it's not like a... no but a lot of the same t- teachers that taught at berkeley were there oh, they would really? go in between they would have like a morning at berkeley they would shoot down the hour and a half teach the afternoon at yukon like Ooh. that was it was you know from boston it was not, it was i mean in the 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 jazz director when i got in there was john mosca and he was the um section leader for the trombones and the buddy rich big band really yeah he was awesome he was from the village vanguard he was a village vanguard big band director and he would commute up from new york to teach at university of connecticut so it wasn't like you're out in farm country and you're learning from joe whoever <laughs> who plays guitar down the road like you know they would definitely these guys would commute from wherever to to it, it's jazz here's a cigarette and a beret <laughs> <laughs> that's what you think of it <laughs>
0: no I want to say I, I think it's interesting about like going to school for music because like I went to school for history but like when you're you a, did yeah what did you do when, in school I, I did I was a history major and I and I, bar- <laughs> I listen I, I I barely got out of college same here I barely I was not a good student but I when you go to music school like you 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 what's your, you go to school and you're like learning, like you're playing the drums all day or is it different instruments or you pick your instrument? How does it work? Um, Well, I went in people that don't know what's it like when you go to school for music, I went in starting to play.
1: I was playing jazz upright bass in the jazz band and I was playing classical percussion, like timpani and, you know, marimba and whatever. And the, the thing about classical percussion is I had to play in like the wind ensemble and the orchestra and the percussion ensemble and at the same time I was in a rock band which is totally outside of the school.
0: And thank God you when did that. I first
1: got into the school I was like I was like, I'm just gonna do jazz band and this concert band thing and that's it. And I'm not gonna do rock music. And then it was like literally like a week into school, I was like joined a rock band was like, Oh, and you know, and what was
0: the name of that band? That band had a pretty decent following. Adios Adios
1: Pantalones. Was that the first rock band you played in? No, I played in bands (laughs) since I was like 13 or 12. My parents would bring me to clubs or 21 and older. And I had a, I was in a band with kids at that time that was assembled with some teacher a teacher of ours, and had these two kids that could, like, rip on guitar. They were one year younger than me. They're brothers. No, so one year and then another year younger. And then this drummer kid who I still keep in contact with. And um, I played bass. And the band just worked. So we started opening up for, like, other bands. um, Touring or just local? Local. But we would... Try, you know, my parents would schlep us a couple hours away to go play, like, to, like biker bar, you know. That's
0: awesome. <laughs> That's cool that you had parents that were, like, yeah, willing to do that. Yeah,
1: I don't think... They weren't familiar with the music scene. I don't... Well, no, my mom was. My mom listened to, like, Jimi Hendrix and stuff, which I found out later. Um, she So you're playing in bands at, like, 13, 14? Yeah, 11, 11, 12, 13... And then and then like high school came and I kind of did my own thing with that I guess but uh yeah so all along playing bass and drums and then uh, recently more so guitar
0: and what about That's Um, about it. No, uh, Are we done? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's really weird. I've never seen you get uncomfortable. I think you were just uncomfortable right there. I didn't know
1: where, while I was waiting for you to (laughs) ask ask another question, I was like, how did
0: these go? I was (laughs) just going to let you go. Oh man, that was... Beautiful folks, you see him. He was like, he got so nervous, he started scratching the table with this pick that he's. Holding. I,
1: I'm like, well, what's next? Don't, don't worry about what's next,
0: buddy. I'm in control. Hey, Everything... Kill, do
1: we have another caller? Do we have another caller?
0: Can we... No, 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 no. We're getting into like, I want to paint, you know. By like, the way,
1: don't drink my coffee.
0: I want to, un- why? Just because it's my wife's sip of coffee. I needed made made it. I needed a, it's weird. lovingly it's, prepared. It's still weird to hear that, your wife prepared that <laughs> anyway um i wanted to get an idea cuz you know music school like it, it can be a little suffocating right for some people you know when you're doing that like every day you're going to classes and you're like doing paradiddles paradiddles is just like drum exercises I wish it was just doing paradiddles and then you're you have your senior performance yeah those were fun i
1: started writing my own senior performances or, or end of the year performances
0: yeah but you uh, know. which
1: was fun like i don't know i was trying although i don't think the studio is and was totally into that which was a little i thought that was a little messed up yeah it's like why can't you write your own if i literally notated on a piece of paper it was like here it's not like i'm and i try to make it
0: you know, challenging. Do you but, think, um, do you think it's worth it as a musician to be able to read music? Like now that I, well,
1: I mean, let's put this, I don't know. I started out by playing by ear and listening and being shown by rote. Then I started reading music and doing all that, which was difficult, especially after playing for a while. Cause I think Sometimes your ear wants to, in your body wants to do something different than what's on the page. You have to like lock into that, but it teaches you a lot about you know all kinds of things. Really learning how to read music, uh, but then now it's like I haven't read a chart in so long. A piece of music, now it's like gone back to the other way of just learning by ear and by rote. What was your practice schedule like? How many hours a day would you practice in music school? Yeah, well, there was stuff you had to get done. Your teacher would assign you, like, I think you're ready to, you know, do this piece on like marimba or whatever. And I, I, uh, um, you know, I'd have to have it done halfway through the <laughs> semester, and it was really tough. If you wanted to cram for that exam, that was real hard, you know. Um, I would imagine that's where you develop your ear. I mean, but music school has a bunch of other stuff. Like you're going to like ear training courses where you're like soul fed singing. And then you have piano Mm -hmm. class where you have to learn some piano. Um, And then um, some people do music education, which I went in for. I was going to do music education. I found out real quick I didn't want to do that because that's like teaching kids music and doing a lot of stuff that has to do with more like um, I don't know, singing kids' songs and how, the yeah, child's brain works, which fascinates me more <laughs> now. But back then, I was like, I don't want to do
0: this. I want to play, you know, jazz or rock music or something. I don't. Want, I just didn't want to. I think that's where you develop your ear. Probably, like you can either. I mean, just being able to sit in a room and practice, like a repet- If you're doing drums, if you're just practicing over and over again. Your ears start. You can hear when you drop the beat. You can hear if you're listening. You know that the, the focus. Yeah. And you're a pretty versatile musician. I was just thinking that's kind of why I thought it'd be interesting to have you on the podcast because you are definitely one of the best musicians I think I've ever played with. You're the, definitely the most versatile. Like you can go from punk to jazz. And I don't know. It seems almost savant-like for you. And I was trying to crack that open a little bit. Mm. And. I don't know. It's interesting having that training, the music school training. If that's, if that's yeah, part of
1: it. Yeah, I mean, what's what's your background? Do you have, did you, did you take lessons? No,
0: I've never never. See, that's yeah, that's just whole, another thing. I don't think I'm a great musician. I think I'm a I'm a I'm, a, I'm okay. I'm, you're you're I'm, like a writer idea person. Music it just a little hap- bit
1: happens to be like a you know a a medium to
0: work in or something right yeah 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 definitely music is a you know what i've always said music is um the most uh tangible you know when i was doing stand up and stuff and doing stuff in new york film all that kind of stuff takes a lot of other people's efforts but you know music yeah you, you know music was instant art you could immediately like we can just pick up that guitar and we can start that, right now that's
1: what my cousin said he writes He's a scriptwriter, or, or is that what you call it? Yeah, script, screenwriter. Or, screen, screenwriter. Yeah. He wrote, like, the text for... He lives in L.A. He, he writes, like, the text for... He did Spider-Man comics for a while. And then he... Wow, he was writing the scripts? Yeah, yeah. the Yeah, like, the you know, and then Stan Lee is... I was back after that. Or, yeah, so he did a, a bunch of those. And he wrote... Then he was working on these shows that were pilots and were, you know... Going through all the paces of getting picked up, he wrote for like there was going to be a Night Rider show, like Night Rider, like the the car yeah a, talks. Remi- a remake. There was going to be a remake, and he was writing for that. And the sh- he worked and worked on it with however many people. It's getting shot, like the pilot, and then it didn't get picked up, or I don't know how it those things fold exactly, but it never happened. And he was like, he told me, he's like, at least you can write a song, you can go down the road. And play it for someone. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah, like yeah. this stuff, all this night rider stuff he was using as an example. It's happened to him a couple times. He was like, that's just not g- gonna see the light of day. Like that's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and
0: and he worked years on it. Yeah, yeah, he worked a while on it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Don't like, you think that's the immediacy of music? Is there something I don't know, I just love it. I love the process. I love getting an idea and you jot like a lyric down and then you put it to a chord and then it just uh it has a very uh, cathartic process, you know. Yep. I, I don't know. I like it, but it, it's you know. I, I think that you just keep refining it. But yeah. I don't. Know, for you, you seem like with music, it seems like you can. I don't know, you do a good job with uh, with all the different genres. I'm pretty impressed. And the other reason I was gonna have you on because I don't think people that have on Nantucket that have seen you play out here have any idea of like uh the rock and roll side like the 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 amount of stamina that you have being able to like go play a show down in connecticut or wherever and then make it back make a highline back and then oh, go yeah. and, and then yeah. go play a kids party. I mean, you've had just some of the most insane weeks that people don't have no idea when they see. They may see you play out here, but they have no idea that you were playing till you know one thirty at some club down in New Haven, and then you busted it back to go make a two o'clock, right? You know, like that. Yeah,
1: I think there was one time I like got done with a show, and I, like it, it was like. At the end of like a tour, a small tour, and it was like in, I don't even know, South Carolina or North Carolina. And when it was over, I was like, I need to leave now to get back to Nantucket, you know, by X time at this day. You know,
0: like yeah, it's crazy, and I, I think really, really what the what the 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 pod, what we should the podcast should be about is like you know how the amount of effort and energy to to make a living as a musician in this day and age, <coughs> yeah, is is really really challenging. It's uh-huh. it's it's a you have to be super versatile and and. Just, you know, being able to support yourself playing music is something that I would say that less than 1% of musicians can actually do. There's a t- oh, You think so? Or yeah. Is that st- yeah. I-, I pulled that out of my ass, but I- <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I think it's, I think it's, I don't know. It- it's a really, really tough. And, you know, we both have played in lots of bands and seen bands that uh, have gone on and done things and then gone nowhere. Uh-huh. That aspect, but uh, well, I want to talk about that. Yeah, I was gonna talk about how you ended up playing on Nantucket. How did I end up playing here? Yeah, uh,
1: it's funny with my old band Adios Pantalones in college. We came to play the chicken box like during a springtime, something or other. Like, we would send in mail in our press package with like a tape. And like, wow! Picture of the band and a bio and where we played and all. Was it so Packy? So. Was he the one or was it no? Was John, John Jordan? It Was John Jordan? I think yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, That's so funny. I remember <laughs> I was hearing that name, John Jordan, from my buddy. <laughs> uh, like we gotta meet John Jordan when we get there. It was always one word, John Jordan. Um, and um, and then um, it's so funny because like you know we hang out with them all the time now. Uh, But like, uh, so that was, we played. Was that right after college? That was kind of like right at the tail end. And that's, by then I was like, I was pretty done with school in my mind. I was like, you know, that band was up and touring and doing whatever. And then, you know, so this, we stopped here a couple times and whatever. And then that band fizzled out. And then I got, I think I had like a minute this is after school, and then I heard about this band, Spooky, Spooky Daily Pride, in Boston. needed a bass player, so I went and auditioned. Who is this man you speak of? Spooky? <laughs> Spooky? He's, he's kind of like you. He's a,
0: He's the greatest. He's play, awesome. He's like a writer, person, and music. No, Spooky app, Daily Pride a is a great band. band. Yeah. And I've only saw them in the chicken box, but they sounded great every time I saw you guys Yeah, play that was there. fun. Those were... That band
1: that was super fun. Cause like I got in the band and right away, they like handed me a sheet of like to, of tour stops, you know, where our next like tour was going to be and you know, it came, it came from this like official booking agency and it had all these really great bands on it. I was like, Whoa, we're going to play with these people and those people. And I was like, cool. And then, uh, and then I moved up there and that was like a total blast. That band was, so fun, a little too fun, like, you know. Kind of had a hard time <laughs> staying together. Kind of rumbled off the tracks a bit, to say. But again, the Chicken Box was a tour stop. But unlike Audio's Pantalones, that band had like a following here. And this is going back
0: a little ways. Anyway, so when was the first time you so came I'm, to Nantucket? When was the was the first kid? Do you remember what year it was? Ninety. T- t- t-
1: 2000, 2000, something like 2001. And then, and then. The so you've been coming sp- out here for 16
0: years, <coughs> 16 years.
1: Yeah. And then, um, and then the spooky thing, we'd come here and we would play, you know, they'd only want to shuttle the bands over to play three nights at a time. And at that time we were able to bring our band vehicle on the ferry that something set up with the ferry. So we drive right on the ferry and come over. And then during the day we'd play the show and then we had all day to like hang out, get to know people. Yeah,
0: you know, and um, and that's where you met your partner, right? That's about Audrey. And then, um, what year
1: was that? Ten, ten years ago, whatever that was. Wow. So then, um, then uh, uh, uh so but the band was kind of like getting defunct at the time. But then we kept rolling for a while, and then, I don't know, and then, like, you know, I lived in New York on and off here and there. Yeah,
0: that's right when I met you. Yeah, and then... Um, I remember Mike Strauss... You said, dragged me to Brickham,
1: Brickham Yoga, Brickham, I Bickram. Bikram. 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 <laughs> Bikram. yeah, yeah, yeah. you bring me to Brick Fired Yoga. Yeah, it was great, like a big pizza. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, that's how I got it. When did
0: it. you first meet me?
1: It, it was when I was doing You Scream, I Scream. It was when, so Spooky like kind of ended and I started doing like a band where I wrote the music and put it together or whatever. It was like my own
0: thing, you know, with other people, but I had to like kind of at least Do you like that better? Do sense. you like being a session player? Do you like being, what, what do you like better? Playing your own stuff or would you rather play as like a drummer in a band's tour and what, what do you what do you enjoy most I think there's different levels
1: of that I think you can either be like a totally hired side guy where it's like here's the part this is what you do don't move from it mm-hmm. you know what I mean it, or, and like try and help the vibe of that that doesn't sound like much fun I n- no I mean I like the challenge of it here and there but when I've done it, that was another thing. Like I've done that for a couple people and after a while that wears on you, that's then it becomes kind of like, you're just kind of fueling. I don't know how to say this the right way. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that's right. I mean, Um, but yeah. So after a while, you're kind of like on someone else's trip, which is fine. That's the job. And then there's the other side of it where it's like, you write the music, you got to come up with it. on the other side of the coin when I think of bands like you know like a singer songwriter a lot of times people in the band are just supporting that person's vision 100 percent. that's it you don't stray then there's bands like I don't even know let's take the pixies or something or nirvana or something that is a that is the whole of like these parts coming together totally
0: create he writes the songs. yeah he
1: happens to write the songs but without having like kim deal's influence and voice and way of playing the bass on that material it wouldn't quite be the
0: pixies even though they continue to play blah 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 without her doesn't matter which no that does matter that's a see that's that's an interesting like is it the pixies without kim deal and some people's uh, well i think the fingerprint's been made so heavily that it's like whoever's gonna take
1: kim deal's spot better be doing something close you know they're not gonna all of
0: a sudden have getty lee (laughs) playing bass for the pixies yeah and it really speaks to the bigger picture of rock and roll because it's like, you know, these guys are, you have to make a living. So what are they going to do if they're having a conflict with someone like bands? We talked about this. Bands have a shelf life. Right. Well,
1: this more so than ever. Uh, ne- like, I don't want to have the Pixies as an example, but, you know, a lot of their like r- royalty checks over the years have gotten smaller yeah what do they need to do they need to get out on the road they have to play live that is the place where you can make money as a musician that's really tough you know like as you get older keeping that lifestyle of traveling from city to city going to do a sound check each night you know in some different place and it sounds i i think it sounds cool and it is fun but it's um you don't really see the city. You might eat at a Thai place there and then go do a sound check and then
0: eat yeah, at a hotel
1: or start or leave to go to the next place. I, still, I don't know. It's a lot of fun, but those bands, as they get older, they for them to make money, because like, you can't really sell a record like you could before. Um, yeah, and I think you know that the have, you have to playing live is where you make money and to do that you better like be booking some tours or something you know you you have to find a way of doing that there's also licensing there's you know which is huge but that's definitely
0: you know crazy ever changing saturated you know bands rocket. it's just so hard to to keep the wheels going as you know Per firsthand mm-hmm. you know how many bands have you been in now that like have the trajectory has gone you know from one end to the other it's like all right well move on to the next thing <laughs> <laughs>
1: well artistically you have an arc you know for yourself yeah you know the music you made when you're t- 20 years old doesn't really appeal to you anymore or something it's not like you're like necessarily getting soft or something you're just like I want to play a different brand of you know rock music or something I don't know so there's that arc of it and then there's the um, you know and then there's the personalities and everything I always say if you were to put on paper like a business plan for a band like okay we're gonna we're gonna put four or five people together they're gonna all have like say, artistically you know let's say it's split um uh you know all the financial stuff it takes to get it going and who puts in what amount of money and like maybe who owns what of you know uh songwriting royalties does it go to one person more is it split evenly is it you know and then take all that take the all those people um stress them out by putting them like on the road you know, going from place to place, put some like drugs and alcohol in there potentially. And like, when you get to the bottom of the page, it's like, you're in the negative. Oh yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, it's difficult. Like that. It is that. so hard. But you, but you gotta love it. Like you gotta love it. And I think the world just kind of makes you pay for it a little more than other people. Pers-
0: professions maybe, you know? I just like think if, that, yeah, or, I, I don't know. It's so interesting now that I feel like I'm a little bit on the other side of it. I remember being really hardcore with The Sweet Ones and like, out oh, this idea of trying to make it. And I don't, I don't think I had the perspective of where actually rock and roll is, you know, with bands and the way it works now. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. I, I think it's just, uh, like you said, there's so many different dynamics. Like the fact that three people... I mean, let. This is way before you even get talking about song royalties. You need to (coughs) need to have two people that are three people, four people that are like committed, and then you get your adult life with life and jobs and work. It's like it's almost impossible. It really is. I don't think people have any idea about the time and energy uh, that went into when you watch a band on. I don't know, what is it, Palladia or something, you're watching one of those festivals Mm -hmm. and you're seeing a band. The amount of legwork that usually went in to get a band there sometimes is Herculean. And then this is the bullshit thing about rock and roll. Sometimes bands that have only been around for a year are get shuffled right to the front. So this whole rock world is in like this big game of high school. Yeah. And and you're just, you're sort of, you know, we've seen how many, remember Linfinity, there was a band that got a write-up, oh yeah in in Rolling Stone that we knew some guys in that band when I was in we were both in New York, I think at around that time, yeah, yeah, they had a lot of stuff there they they, they had out. only been together for like a year, and they Rolling Stone gave them a really good write up mm-hmm. oh yeah, and one of their their. their <laughs> and now friend. they're no, it's just and now they're well,
1: there's bands that's like they're nowhere well there's a lot of bands that like i mean had a- never mind a write up but they were like playing top spots on festivals you know five years ago you know seven years ago and and sometimes I go back through a playlist I'm like what the (laughs) hell happened to that band like I'll go and I'll and I'll look it up and it's like oh they kind of like did two albums three and they stopped doing what they were doing for who knows how many reasons you know but someone else, like, filed right in their place, as you know, the audience's need for that band, the hole got quickly filled by someone else. Not to say that band can't fire up what they're doing, you know, do another album
0: that no one cares be about.
1: Those those spots again. I don't know. It depends on the group, but yeah, it's like once you've hit it
0: really hard, you have to turn around and keep hitting it hard. Um, you've been you know, hitting that's my point you've been hitting it hard I don't think there's anyone that's been that puts more energy and time into bands because you've been through a lot of bands and you know now you're do you consider yourself a Nantucket resident is Nantucket home yeah yeah for sure
1: I mean I've funneled it down
0: to like I have an
1: off island group you know uh, I just funneled it down to that one I'm performing in and then uh uh, the rest is, like, on-island stuff. But the thing about this community, which is cool, and you hear that a lot, is people are, um, um, you know, help you cultivate an idea, you know? So out here, like, I've been, like, just trying new stuff, you know, like playing guitar. Playing lead guitar. Yeah, that's, like, a, that's something I wanted to... I've always wanted to break that open I've never had the chance to but you know you know through the community
0: they're accepting of it (laughs) no I mean you're crushing you're you're clearly crushing it in in, uh Foggy Roots right yeah that's super fun I never thought I'd play in a reggae band that's for sure I I always enjoy I have to give you a nod too because so many guy lead guys would just play it which is cool because you've had exposure to other, you know, other styles of music and so out there stuff that you, you know, I think a typical guy playing lead guitar in a reggae band would just noodle and wank and crap all over each song. But you've been... <laughs> and the differences. Well, the, I'll tell you exactly what the difference is. The difference is that you have the 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 vocabulary of all these different genres of psych rock and because you are such a versatile musician you put in (laughs) you don't just play the part you're adding these sound effects you're looping these pedals you're, you're you're using the pedals almost like uh you know creating this like new energy that like when you go see a reggae band you don't see a lot of lead guys pushing the envelope like that with all those effects and Instead of just doing noodly solos, which is the tendency for a white guy playing lead in a reggae band, which is a huge pet peeve of mine. I hate, I, I understand. That. I hate too. reggae. I, I I love it. Right. I, I love reggae. Sure, me too. But I yeah. think there is a when you play reggae music, there is a there is a. Dorm Rocky version of it, version of it. Absolutely. And I think that you are pushing that and Andre and the band pushes it away from that. Yeah. If
1: if Andre didn't have a real root with the music, Andre, the singer of the band, he, he has such a root with the music and grew up loving the music and he knows these artists personally. And he's that to me is like, okay, I can I can get into that. You know and trying to adjust this at the same time like when those reggae groups and you know like the whalers and and stuff you know they were experimenting with effects back in the day too that was like that was them like pushing the envelope of, of sound they were bringing a lot to the table um there's a lot of reggae bands that do that when the music you know um was evolving into what it is now. There's, you know, you can go see bands now that play reggae music and they're essentially imitating a time period, you know, kind of like jazz. Like when you think of jazz, people are imitating like a bebop era of Miles Davis, let's just say. Um, Yeah, but they do Jazz and everything has like progressed since then, you know. But when people think of music, a lot of musicians think of jazz, they think of that era of jazz, even though it's moved on, Uh you know, so going back to your thing of bringing in new sounds into the music, I don't think that's really any different than what they were doing back then. It's just now I I have probably more toys at my disposal because of technology and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, but they're fusing like hard rock lead guitar and stuff into that music, you know. Yeah, Motown, whatever, you know. Um, but I that's always... the way I look at it, I guess. Yeah, in terms of like implant and you know bringing in other elements, I think that's uh, it's it's just
0: part of the evolution, maybe. So you've reggae band. Have you ever played in a punk band? Um. Yours, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if you called the sweet ones punk, but <laughs> reggae
1: and then jazz. Spooky had like a punky element at a time,
0: yeah. We would like a lot, destroy a lot of stuff on stage, and it, you, like, yeah. you, you and I definitely have this same sentimentality like that band Piss Jeans.
1: Oh, I love, love that band, just I love that. See, there you go, that's a band. What happened to him? I love that band. I saw him, we were played on north by northeast with them in toronto like a couple years ago and then
0: now i'm like where are where'd they go it bums me out because that kind of energy like we like anyway, that kind of no no, yeah, no. a good it, example yeah like well it's a good example of a band that you may have heard about i mean i'm sure no everyone listening is probably is like who the hell is pissed jeans they're from philadelphia <clears throat> but they had an energy and a rawness to them that that I like certainly connect with. And I think that you obviously get that and a bit. Some people might not necessarily. They're, they're like, to me is like a, you know, the
1: punk band thing. They don't look like they're really in a punk band. They just look like guys. They're not like, they, they don't have like, they're
0: not caricatures. Yeah, of Yeah. They don't
1: have like y- caricatures of it. Exactly. They're unsuspecting. You see them, they're setting up their gear, they're kind of dorky, but then they launch into their music and they like start beating the crap out of themselves. And like, <laughs> and you're like, whoa, like this is this is real. The guy's like, you know, instantly takes all his clothes off and starts, you know, GG in the G.G. Audience. Allen. Yeah, it's it, it's just something he has to do.
0: I guess you know, that's I it's guess not it's not like
1: they're not flying, you know, they're
0: not um, I don't know, what's like a like something you see a lot out of like. I don't know. And I think this is my, I've talked about this with you and we'll talk, like, that's my, one of my problems with like out here on Nantucket and like, I think in New England kind of lends itself. And then, and I know the Boston has tons of punk bands and there's a lot of underground stuff, but like, there's this kind of jammy funk thing that like, it just doesn't hit for me. It always, it's like, Oh, you mean like the,
1: the, the, the lineage one. of like fish and stuff like behind that?
0: Yeah, it's just this like white boy jammy, like (laughs) acoustic, acoustic guitar strummy that just kind of, it's just, it's dorm rock and it's like, but people love it. And it really right. chafes my ass. <laughs> People like that, and I'm just like. But I think with an example like piss jeans or something, when you've seen someone bring it and that level of energy, you, sure. and you see a band that just like screaming females or yeah. some of these other maybe like indie punk stuff with it, that, but you've seen them perform live, and then you go watch. Uh, oh God, I. Don't, I I don't know what's the dude that plays out here. I'm gonna okay, name. let's not name names. Uh, no, just stop. He's not from Nantucket. We're not gonna. But name it's names. just like this. Like <laughs> it's just not bringing it. I guess when you've I, seen I, someone, yeah, a bands bring it over the years, so we have a, vo- a a bigger vocabulary of something that maybe we connect with. What is that?
1: Well, well, b- b- going back to Piss Jeans, their songs are really good like they might be screaming and yelling but like when you hear the when you pay attention to the song it's just really great it's it it cuts to like a really i'm gonna go get coffee okay yeah it cuts to um now i'm talking to a wall (laughs) the songs cut through like i'm like yeah i get that (laughs) you know like
0: um People enjoy music for all different reasons. I know, so, I know. know I, like, I, now yeah. I'm putting my own judgment in
1: Yeah, there. yeah. I mean, sometimes people want a little like... Safe. You, you, well, yeah, they want to feel like they're having a cocktail, you know, sitting in the keys, you know. I get it, I get and it. And they want it to be like light, you know, acoustic-y thing with a bongo.
0: I guess my point... point. bongo. My point... <laughs> <laughs> I guess my point is anytime you go see a band and a, and a guy's playing an ovation, just turn around and leave... <laughs>
1: ovation. Yeah, i think those were made in connecticut i know
0: <laughs> ovation guitars actually kim kim deal I, I stole kim deal of the pixies uh said that once she, <laughs> really she i have it i have that quote well, they I, got pretty overused i guess i, right? I, I cut it ovation out and i put it in my scrapbook she's like pretty much anytime you see a band up stage any a band on stage with an ovation just turn around and run <laughs> i never heard that ovations are the uh for those of you listening and Care, it's I know. Believe me, and I let me listeners. I can tell you. Probably some people have already tuned out and be like, I can't listen to these guys. Talk. <laughs> so I can't going. listen to these guys talk rock and roll. Well, screw yourself. This is important <laughs> stuff because I'm talking to Nan. I will be sorry when this has over two million hits on YouTube. You, well, You'll you, be sorry. <laughs> I would say that you're one of the best musicians on island that plays, and I think it was my friend. I don't think so, but I don't, I think that they, people. That's really
1: nice of you because there's a lot of great musicians out here. There are. I mean, there's, I, it's, yeah, when we keep it up and we all cultivate it together, it's great to push each other. There yeah. are, yeah. Do Everyone you think, pushes each other. Do you think you know? the
0: music scene's pumping out here? What would you, th-
1: yeah, I mean, the fact that there's this, like, you have the, you put together this, like, country cowpunk band and then we got the, like, reggae, whatever type of vibe, you know, band. The blues band. You know, the blues band, the blues. which I, I think is cool because they do really traditional how it was played on the record type thing. And then I I do miss, there was a moment where there was a lot of um, original bands happening here. You remember that, like, there still is, like... We need to keep you that You know, going. like, um, you know, Potential Hammock doing their surf thing, Otter Control, which is still, they actually just put out their first album that you mix. We haven't even talked about your engineering. No, we haven't talked about that. But uh, Otter Control, which is this whole like story theatrical thing that Chip Webster came up with, um, you have to yeah have to check that out. That's even on a that's too long again to talk about on a podcast. And then um, and then we had like. We were bringing... Then You Scream, I Scream. We were bringing bands out here from the mainland to play... Original music. Yeah, to throw <laughs> our own shows. And then, you know, the sweet ones played out here. There was a good chunk of time where the original a- bands were doing some
0: good damage. So how do we bring that back? Because it, it um, is important. Because if we just do cover... I mean, Buckle and Shake does... Well, it. you
1: do your original music in Buckle and Shake, which yeah. is I think is... Is brilliant, but when you it transfers over really well, um, or whatever
0: you would have to do it. But whatever. if you can oh. do a full set and people would go out and see a band that they've never heard do originals, I mean, actually, Cisco Brewery does. You know, on Tuesdays they're booking uh, original bands a, from Off Island. From Off Island, right? It's, again, yeah, they have to play a little
1: quieter out there. I don't think I could do a you scream ice sh- you scream ice cream show acoustic or something ish we'd have to i don't know that band has like one way of there isn't playing. you
0: know there isn't a lot of music downtown either anymore which is a bummer starlight well there's that too yeah there was a time so things have shifted a little there was bit. a time
1: yeah um cambridge street when that was around um the owners let us go in there and just, just let's do whatever so we'd throw shows down there and bring a fog machine in and lights just like <laughs> blow the place up that yeah. was fun now now it's a restaurant and they, they they make more money off of each square foot of having a table there which makes I get yeah, I get it you know um, I guess Starlight and then yep Starlight they <laughs> um, Jeff's doing a, doing a good job with that um, and then uh, what Rosencrown has music the blues band right They have, yeah. I think that's the only band that plays there. That venue could be
0: cool. I love it. Set up. I know,
1: but I don't. They don't do. They don't do. I've I've always agreed.
0: I thought the Rosen Crown is the perfect downtown music venue. If if they could have music a little
1: bit, it it would be. It'd be really great. I don't. I don't know. So, um,
0: do you think they? I don't know anyone over there. Do you know anyone? Yeah, I know a couple people over there, but um, they don't want live music, or I don't know. I don't. I, I agree with you. Rosen Crown is one They've of
1: they had the karaoke thing, the '80s karaoke. But the layout thing. of the club is perfect. The layout, yes. The layout of the club is cool. It's got that little like uppy portion looking down into where there's like a people could be and a stage. It's you know. What's the shittiest show you've ever it's played? It's like mini Sinclair.
0: What? What's it? <laughs> I, I, what's the shittiest show? I want to hear. Uh, what's the worst show you've ever played? God, there's so many. There's so
1: many, and it doesn't have to do with like being stuck in the corner of, you know, playing someone's like, um,
0: retirement party, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's no, what's I want to know actually, out of all the thousands and thousands of gigs you've played.
1: There was, I mean, there was a show I, and I bring this, I, I don't know why, like I come back to this, but the, the, there was a show when we pl- played that time at Irving, Irving they, Plaza. Yeah, in New York. I, we, Irving tra- Plaza. Traveled, yeah. We traveled all day. We had a, We're opening up for another band, and we, tr- you know, traveled all day. We got like everyone off island. You know, got my kiddo to grandma's house. We dragged our elderly dog along. <laughs> got our, hucked ourselves down in New York got down there, sound checked. It was haphazard sound check, had to go on with like little rehearsal. I was spent, you know? And it was like, I, I before we got on, I was like, I can't wait for this to be over. It was just so it, in, you know, playing Irving Plaza was really, it was Yeah, playing awesome. New York city. Yeah. That's it. But that particular show, I was like, God, this is, I wouldn't say that's, the worst, but that was hard, you know? And like, I think, yeah, you could be playing and um, I would put that up there, you know, versus playing some gig where like no one showed up.
0: Oh, I've had so many
1: of those. I've had millions of... (laughs) Because that particular show was... Sold out. Yeah. So what's... It doesn't... It's hard to say what... It's hard to say what the worst show <laughs> they, but you know, they all have like, there'll be times we'll go play the brewery. I'll be like, God, that was rough. And other oh, times good. I'll be like, that was the most fun I've had. Yeah. It it's date. so up and down. Yeah. It's so up and down.
0: I think that one thing that's interesting you just is look forward to the next The one. fact that we have a lot, you know, like when you're in, when I was in New York, I would play, I was only playing once a month right cuz you don't want to overplay there cuz you don't want to overplay and then you'd go on a, maybe a little tour and then come back but at yeah. least out on Nantucket there's some days you're playing t- i mean you're playing 3 days a week well how many how many gigs do you have this week four i think so yeah. yeah i mean did you do that when you weren't living on Nantucket were you playing 4 days a week when when i was doing um yeah when,
1: when you're on the road you're obviously playing you're playing seven six, seven, five nights a week whatever Yeah, but um, when I lived in Connecticut when I was like going to school there and Adios Pantalones was not doing something or whatever my buddy had like a acoustic Group, but we would play whatever. Oh boy, break out the djembe! No, it wasn't like that. Oh, here comes. We, no. We actually would play like you know uh, songs we wanted to play, like Depeche Mode. <laughs> we weren't exactly playing like we're so edgy. We played we Depeche playing, Mode. We weren't playing <laughs> Jack Johnson or something. I know, like Jack Johnson rubs you. I love just saying that. I love because I can see. <laughs> ja, he's amazing. He commands respect. I, I um. I don't, I don't mind him. I think he's a, I would, I can't really put on a record and like jam out to it, but it's good music.
0: It's all done. What happens Uh, when you enter into a band and something happens and then the band may not have the trajectory that you thought that you've put all this energy into?
1: Oh, when you come to that realization? Like things might be falling apart.
0: Yeah. When the wheels are falling off, (laughs) when the wheels are falling off the band that you're in, that you've put a lot of time and energy into, how do you get yourself through that? What's the, you know, you've been through it before, right? With other bands. Yeah. It's that is heartbreaking sometimes. Yeah. But, like, we talked about this the trajectory of rock and roll, and like bands have a shelf life. It's like life. you're going through a breakup, you know? Yeah. Like a person you were with for a long time, and you gotta, like, yeah. How does a how does a band maintain longevity? Like how do you stay relative? Like you've had one album, two albums. How do you keep it going? Cuz I have this theory now that I'm on the other side of it. Not I don't know why I keep saying on the other side of it. <laughs> I'm I do not even know what I'm on the other side of, but right, I just exactly. I just have these opinions about rock and roll like maybe you're- and what music is and what where you know i'm 42 years old having played in bands what the reality of the the future of me playing rock and roll is are you asking me what your future is i have no idea i just i just realized i've come to a couple of realizations that you know i've always maintained this that uh, the, the best thing you can do is you know keep your keep your my advice is keep your expectations low and morale high (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's all you can do. Because rock, like most bands, maybe make it five years. You're lucky. Your first two, three records maybe are great. But for most intense purposes, the band, just because life takes over at some point, members change. People, it's just, it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's very slang, rare. Yeah. With the exception of like the Stones. Tide Pool. Well. For you, I mean. I mean. <sighs> Where, know, those where bands,
1: a lot of those bands, if you're really popular, you can come together and there's a, a price tag on it that you can't really pass up. It's like, and a lot of bands, like, you know, you saw the Eagles thing. You know, they Eagles started to hate each other, and they beat their head against the wall. I mean, doing it and keeping at it, and then it, until it in, implodes, and they were able to go on and do solo careers, number of the
0: it's so crazy because why it's not even
1: a huge eagles fan
0: but that documentary was fascinating well it's really about our relationships it's like music when you get into it it's like you have these small increments of time where you're collectively playing on stage and then all this other time idle time to just let your personalities just take over and i can see it's just hard yeah it's hard enough having a relationship with one person, let alone four or five. Yeah. And That's getting- why I, I whittled the band Off Island that
1: um, Violent, I'm doing. Uh, yeah, the, Violent the, May is two people. It's me and one other person. And so anything decision-making or anything is just done between the two people. And you could do. there's a lot more two-person bands out there. It just makes sense. It makes yeah. Who who called it that? Ted Young. Remember the guy, the engineer in New York. Ted. Is that Ted Young. I don't know. Anyway, he yeah he calls duo bands recession rock.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Because it's just like you can, you can. There's been duo bands like the Flat Duo Jets, whatever going on. You they when you one listen of the to that first. band, you're like, oh, that's. That's where like a lot, the white stripes got a lot of its fingerprint. Yes, yeah, Real yeah. like you know, poignant, and then white stripes and the black keys and the Japan droids and it goes on and on. Yeah, duo bands, you know. Um, and you can get a lot done with a guitar and some percussion drums. Yeah, you trim the fat,
0: screaming, singing. Yeah. Um, but you you would go. I was always impressed with your stamina, how you would go from Nantucket and then go down and the amount of money that it cost you to get off Island, to go down and play a show for maybe a hundred bucks. Like the, I just thought you were a great example of like sometimes how, yeah. how, how sometimes rock and roll there was like, moments. Yeah. You had to do stuff like it's, that. It's not very glamorous, you know, like this, the lifestyle isn't a whole lot of fun at times. Yeah. I mean, there was stuff like,
1: you know, we'd, yeah, I'd have to leave because I had to go play a show, like, with Violet May for, like, our record label at their record store. And it didn't pay, like, much. But I had to go do it to, like, promote and keep cool with, like, the label and whatever and just part of Take the Take the hit. Yeah, yeah. And then I probably had to travel through, like, a crap load of people visiting here in the summer, you know, and everyone's on vacation. And I'm, like, dragging, like you know, my symbol bag and my like overnight bag through <laughs> all these it's people on vacation. I'm just trying to get there. Get to the yeah, game. You're like waiting for a cab next to, you know um Check. you know
0: Johnny Johnny vacations a lot. Yeah. And that they're, that and they're, like, that that you know, grind of rock and roll is just not an easy one to do. Um you know, pack of beagles. How do you
1: sustain that? how do you sustain that? Yeah. How do you keep that going? Well, you better hope that those shots from the hip yield something. If they don't,
0: then, you know, it's time to tweak something. Do you ever think there's, I've had this, there's too many people playing music. There's There's just too many people. (laughs) That's very Louis (laughs) (laughs) CK. Oh, it is. Yeah. There's just too many people. I just think there's too many bands. There's too many just people playing music. And then there's too many goddamn people. Everyone's, everyone's, (laughs) Tooting away, writing their little songs. Oh, uh, little- yeah, there are a lot of, you know,
1: it's, hu- I mean, anyone with a computer. At the same time, music became less valuable to sell because of computers, the internet, technology, and people could just download and stream your stuff and it's free and it's basically just a um, business card that you have to make, a really expensive business card <laughs> or um, really expensive, you know, product that just doesn't, you know, it's just a big advertisement. It's your art, but it turned into that more. So, um, you were right there, but, but like, yeah, all of a sudden at the same time that happened, you could take that same computer and you could record a record in your living room like this. And may, you didn't have to go to a huge recording studio and spend a lot of money to do it. So
0: record budgets went way down. I feel like you kind of, with Spooky, you were kind of right at that shift, right? Right when the industry started, yeah, there was a big shift, I a think paradigm that,
1: shift. I think that was the confusing part about that band was there were still a number of record labels. A lot of them were folding into each other to kind of um, save the sinking ship you know, um, these businesses were going out of business. Um, so, and bands still had this idea, like you gotta like get signed. That was the thing to do. You gotta get signed so you could be inserted into this pipeline of, of potentially having a career. Because you got signed didn't mean that you would have um, a career. It was something like, you know, nine out of 10 bands on a record label would fail.
0: Yeah. Nine out of yeah. 10. Nine
1: out of 10 bands that were signed, yeah, they would fail. Within know. the first year. Really? Within the first, yeah, something like that. I don't, you know, I'm not an A&R person, blah, blah, blah. I, um, Which I used to fucking hate having to, I, I don't know, like these particular tastemakers of the industry. This is the good part. Is is it's kind of like gotten rid of that swash a little bit, you know, like these particular tastemakers of the industry, and um, talking with so and so and so and so to you know try and get the band signed to a label, you know.
0: But I would argue there's
1: now it's like, it through a lot of creativity, you can actually get a lot of eyeballs on your stuff or earballs. Yeah, you I know, mean, I don't. so that's the, via the internet. that's the upside of it. But there was this number of years and still is of like kind of people of not knowing what was going to happen next. Because the idea of the record industry, as we knew it for, you know, for a long time, um, you know, I think essentially since music could be sold on um, could be sold on a record piece of vinyl was changing you know so uh now with the age of the internet it's easier to make music and easier to put up there for everyone to see so a lot more people can do it you and i could take your computer this afternoon and go record a song and have it on the internet by the end of the day you know yeah And makes i don't know make some ridiculous video with finger puppets and maybe someone's like, oh my god, that's incredible, and they share it around.
0: All right. Now take that same you know, scenario and multiply it by so yes, n- hundred million.
1: million. Yeah. So yes, there are a lot a lot of people doing
0: this just give you this is a uh I th- doing it. Every the minute access. there's seven hundred million hours of content uploaded to YouTube. I should get that Hold on, I'll get that stat right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, It's just crazy the yeah. amount of content people are doing. So, so if you're a band out there and you record and you're trying to get it out there, you just the the amount of static that it takes. And it, actually, I guess it kind of... Yeah, there's a lot of noise. You yeah. can you can almost argue that it comes back to the old school way. You just kind of have to know someone who can push your music and be like, "Hey, check this out." Which is basically Well, now it's like you have to first even more so,
1: no, you know, not many times. Like, and this is a way I feel it's changed. You know, an A and R person can't see you at some gig and be like, "This song is amazing. I'm gonna sign these guys, rec- record it, and get this song on the internet, or not, not the internet, the radio at the time." You know, say the 90s, it was like get a hit on the radio or die trying, you know, that time. Now it's like you need to cultivate a lot of that yourself. You need to make sure that you have Spotify listeners. You need to put forward a lot of the nut to um, promote the entity, the music that you've made. And you have to work it and work it. And then when you get to a certain level, and it then, becomes not manageable anymore, then someone else kicks in to kind of help you along with that. Yeah, you build Whether your fan good base. What's that? Yeah, you essentially build your own, your own fan base. You know? Um, and th- there's all shades of, like, greatness through all that.
0: Yeah, you know? I guess, uh, you know, basically, folks, rock and roll is one pile of shit. it's not a great business I can tell you that well that's the thing if you put the
1: business down on a piece of paper like I said before and you put all those elements you know these people involved and like where money's coming from and you stress everyone out and put some drugs and alcohol in there it's gonna it's gonna end up in the negative
0: yeah potentially you just gotta love it you do true I mean yeah you really do have to have a. This is just my. This is just my opinion too. No, people, I mean people. You know, I just. I, I ultimately, I don't think people understand how much the the risk, the time versus reward uh, scenario, um, the potential of. You know, when you're a musician, that's the other thing. Like, what else could you do? Me? Yeah. Like, like at this point, do do? like. I was trying. I've been. I had. I had to kind of think about this. And quite honestly, the podcast is like what. Why I'm doing it because my life skills. Now, I graduated college in 1998. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was doing music and and comedy and writing and stuff in New York. I didn't have office skills. So and I got. I I crossed that. I passed over that threshold of like. How can I, what am I going to do to shift gears? I'm not going to go take a job, you know? Like, what does someone like you do if you decide you don't want to play music? What am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
1: What would you do? What would I do? Well, I i mean, at the moment, <clears throat> I record
0: music. Is it, we, does that count? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say Stop and Shop, is uh, there's there's a couple, I. You saw a couple. You've always struck me as a deli guy. Okay. <laughs> Really? I was I thought I was a little Yeah, actually I would. Yeah, it sounds like actually, What would you do? Those guys are always seem pretty happy and like What would you do if you didn't play pleasant. music? What? What would you do? What interests you? Uh oh, you know what I would do
1: is I would um man, I would I would live in the mountains and do like <laughs> like something like avalanche rescue or something. Like I always love being um in mountains and cold and stuff, so I don't know. I think I would have to move to a place like that and start doing something like that or or I don't even know like move to a ski town, become a snowboard instructor. Those, that's my other like side of stuff that I, I really love, you know, like kind of passion for outdoors
0: um Obviously, there's not much of that happening around here. Yeah, the snow, <laughs> the the Nantucket snowboard team isn't uh, yeah. <laughs> taking off, <laughs> which
1: is weird. I ended up on a place like like this. Uh, isn't
0: that weird that we ended up here? I ended up here through you, which is crazy. I never uh, thought in a million years I'd be living. I would have, yeah. I would have laughed in your face. I think you did laugh in my face. Yeah, I never thought I would in a million years be living on Nantucket, let alone having a family.
1: You, I don't know. You like your big into surfing you like surfing and stuff
0: yeah it's cool it's new you didn't like you've come to you weren't a big fan of Nantucket at first right I was when I would come and visit
1: and play with spooky and it was just one big like fun party and whatever I think at first when I was living here it was a bit jarring
0: you know Because you had these ideas of rock and roll, like and you're like I'm not doing it out here. I was still chucking my yeah,
1: I mean I was still like
0: traveling back and forth a
1: lot, which I do still from time to time. But um but uh yeah, at first it was yeah, it was like, Whoa, this is kinda gnarly.
0: What's gnarly what was gnarly about it? Well,
1: you know, when the winter comes and it gets slows down. But I now it's like now I look forward to all that shit. Yeah, I do too. I think I, I, this time of so, year is so, amazing. Yeah, it's um, in the community of people and everything. I think I, when you get to know people, I mean, I think it's so funny. It is like you're passing people in the halls of the high school where you're like, you know, uh, it's like you're saying hello to a teacher and then you're flicking a rubber band at someone you know. Yeah. You know, it, like it's got that type of camaraderie. It does. Where else can I flick off someone down the aisle of the stop and shop and
0: that be okay? (laughs) Yeah. Or or cut someone (laughs) off. Yeah. The community is amazing. It really is. And there's really cool people out here. I've been uh, blown away. You know, the more this is mm -hmm. the more time it's a, I don't know. It's kind of, I feel like we're lucky in some ways. I like it. All my musician friends from New York are like blown away that we, as much as I play and You know, yeah, I feel more relaxed to go play
1: other places or something after being here. Yeah. Like if I go, I'm not like, oh, I'm playing in New York. I hope our shit's together or we're playing this festival thing. Right. I hope my shit's together. It's just like I feel like way freer than before. I think because out here, like, you get to really, like, kind of stumble and fall on your face and try some stuff out. (laughs) You know? People are accepting of that. Right. They embrace, you know, people's changing
0: and trying new things and whatever. Which is cool. And that's back to, like, the community. Yeah. It's just crazy. I never thought we'd be uh, living on an island it doesn't seem like an Island though. It just seems, cause you know what I've, I think about this sometimes, like if you were living in some town, you'd be driving to the same pharmacy, you'd be going to the same grocery store, you go down, you know, like it's even yeah. in the, even in your same town, you go, you know, really only go 10 or 15 miles maybe. Um, you know, I don't know. And you chill like, out at your yeah, house,
1: but you probably know a lot less people. Unless you're in one of those like sleepy villages with nothing outside of it. Well,
0: anything. you grew up in a pretty quaint town. You grew up in Newtown. Yeah, Newtown, Connecticut. Newtown, Connecticut. Yep. I don't think folks probably knew that. Yep, that's that. There's
1: a documentary on it at the Dreamland yesterday. I meant to go see that about the shooting. About the yeah, about the town and the in the aftermath of that and whatever. It's so crazy. Oh, I was really curious to see what um. How does a yeah. town like that recover from its... How does it recover? Yeah, Jesus, it's horrible. I don't know. I think that's why I wanted to see the documentary. Yeah. I mean, my aunt lives a quarter of a mile from that school. You can almost see the entrance of it. From, she lives on the same road, my aunt and uncle. My cousins went there. You know, one thing that they did was they tore the school down, you know. Yeah.
0: Just yeah. leveled it, and, you know, and... I don't know. Is that the same house that you, the one you live in, your mom lives in now? No, that's not. No, new town. my parents moved to New Milford when I was in college. All right. Yeah. Um. um well, yeah. what do we cover? That's an hour and twenty three minutes. Did we get to the? I don't know. man. Do, do we cover enough? Do you want to talk about recording or no? That's a whole nother thing. It is a whole nother thing, but what? Well, that 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 actually plays into the uh, idea that you know one of the. Things that you can do is you know be versatile <laughs> as a musician, which you are. You can play bass, you can play guitar, you can play piano, and play drums. Mm-hmm. Uh, not piano really that well, yeah, but I could fake it. <laughs> you can fake it, man. I don't know. You're <laughs> I like some stuff, you're pretty uh, p- savante with music. It's crazy. Wow, thanks. Do you think of yourself like that or no? No, there's no, I mean. No, people. People are multi instrumentalists. Yeah, but there's a you thing know. here. Here's the thing that I is amazing is there's a feel thing that you can pick up and get it within. Like, I could show you a measure of something with a weird little change in there, and you would get that weird little change on the first go around. Maybe that's because we've been playing together for a while. Yeah. But like other people, it would be, I don't know. It would, just, it would take a couple of weeks of rehearsal. Yeah. Like <laughs> you have an ability to adapt. But I think actually that probably comes from years of training, just different styles of music, doing orchestra, doing jazz, and then playing in yeah, a rock band. I mean, I
1: used to watch guys go down the, the, the a local club, and they would show up, and they were like jokers. And they were just like, what are we going to play now? And they would start doing it. Like playing, they were really great musicians. They play with all kinds of people. That was inspiring to watch. I was like, oh, you can just be like, open up your ears and keep your head up and tune into what people are doing. You can create something really fast. Yeah. And that's what you're doing. You're just creating something on the fly really fast.
0: So you were a musician, when did you get the bug that you wanted to become an engineer? And I, cause I, that's another thing we should talk about is people don't understand when you say a musical engineer, what does that mean? Um, well, there's like musical engineers that,
1: um, take care of the technical side of recording and capturing a performance, you know, with microphones, et cetera. Um, uh, and then there's producers that kind of like, Help steer the song. Maybe a, a producer can range anything from them, like telling the band to like do the take again, to someone or tuning guitars to someone that really heavily arranges a piece of music with the band. That's what I should or, do. Or, I should be a producer or plays in the band. Yeah, you. Yeah, you should do that. I should produce. Um, they there's a uh, those two elements that that line gets blurred more and more. I I think. You know, um, as technology takes over, someone could be an engineer and a producer more often, I guess. It's not to say that wasn't the case before, because um, was a lot of great engineer producers.
0: When did you decide that you wanted to be an engineer? I,
1: wanted, I mean, I thought it was cool from the get-go. I went in a studio in high school. I thought it was really cool. And then a buddy of mine gave me a four track in college. I started using that four track as like a little tape recorder and you could record four different tracks separately and you'd play it back and mix them together, the volumes of the separate instruments. And then when we Spooky Daily Pride did a record with um, Sean Slade and Paul Coldry, they were the guys they did like um, they recorded a bunch of the morphine records and what do you think Dinosaur Jr. and The first two Radiohead albums they recorded. So Spooky Daily Pride did a record with them producing it. And it was just really interesting how they took a band. We were on the road playing and came in and got us from the beginning to the end of a record by having us play what we do, have some happy accidents, maybe have us do something over, whatever. And at the end of it, they spit out a record with us. On a tape machine at the time. wasn't done in the com- computer necessarily. It was done on a tape machine, um, which is, you know, real to real old school. Old not, school not old magnetic school. tape. Not, I hate <laughs> the word using that for that, but it, yeah, it's, um, you hear that term a lot, old school tape. But not at the time, that was it. That was the school. That was it. But um, then I started working with a couple other engineers like this guy Danny Bernini in Northampton and this other guy Carl Napa who lives in St. Louis and I remember sending like stuff that I recorded to Carl to mix and he shot it back and it sounded like it belonged on the radio he the way he mixed it and it, again I was just like wow like what's you know what's going on what is this thing? It just became another like fascination and
0: you know, yeah, because recording engineering and and mixing are two different things. Well, aren't they? No, the, no, this, you can be a record.
1: <laughs> Usually if you're an engineer, you do both, you record and you mix, you're able to do both. You're able. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes on a record, there might be one person who is the recording engineer and then one guy is the mixing engineer. So they're two separate things. Yeah. But, um, but generally, anyone who's an engineer knows how to do both, so yeah, once you capture the band and you get the parts down and the feeling of the song, then you have to mix it so it technically plays across any medium, like coming out of your laptop or on a big you know club system or your little desktop speakers or you're in your car technically play across all those um and also not lose the aesthetic and energy of the band. Probably that first, you know, when you do do those technical things. So it's this right brain,
0: left brain activity that I just keep finding it fascinating. Right. And you're doing that at the Nantucket Community Music School. But we also had Casa de Warrington, which the Sweet Ones recorded our record there. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's um, <clears throat> which yeah. Is, that's a whole
1: other story, too. Yeah, that's a studio in Hartford that I partnered with this guy and he's got this crazy Victorian house and it's like, and it sounded really cool in there and vibey and whatever. And so we recorded a lot
0: of bands there and would mix there. I think majority of people don't understand actually how music, I don't think they think about it. It's just like how music is actually recorded. Yeah. I think it's a little like, oh, you just, you know, put this thing up and you record the band, right? Yeah. Yeah. You guys... Yeah. <laughs> How? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Like you just. Um, it's an, a very elaborate process. And it, it took
1: as long to record the song as it is to play it. How long is that song? Three minutes? Oh, so you guys stepped in front of a microphone. Three minutes later, you had this song that belonged on yeah. the radio, right? It's like, no. <laughs> like in <laughs> some cases, it, it should. And if a band is impatient and et cetera, et cetera, and you're not going to get a good performance out of them after. You know, a couple tries through it, then you gotta—you have that arc to work with. But I mean, yeah, you hear some like super. You hear some stuff on the, the radio. You know, it took a long time to get it to where it is. You know? What makes a good musician? What makes a good musician? See, you always repeat the question. What I, I You <laughs> always do. I always repeat the question? You always repeat the question? I always repeat the question. You always repeat that you do. You or yeah. me? You. I do? Yeah.
0: Always? Always. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> um. Like Even like you'll pick me up for a gig and I'll ask you a question. I'll be like... <laughs> yeah, this- are the keys in my pocket? What? You always repeat the question. My, the,
1: see, these are the things you pick up on. You're like, see, and you'll you'll probably go around. you be like, you know, what the problem is with Floyd. He uh, he you, repeats questions a lot. He's, no, a, he's always, a question repeater. You do.
0: You you always repeat the question back to people. Like, am I hungry? Um, you know what it does? It buys me time because I'm thinking about something else. I think I know. And I think people think you're stoned all the time. Oh, great. Great. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't. But I'm not. No, Uh, just, I think um, you're just too smart. One time I was. I read, I knew a guy that got high once. I knew. Yeah. (laughs) I've heard of him. Oh, speaking of that vote, uh, for, for, are you pro or against it? Uh, I'm against. No, no. (laughs) No, I'm for
1: what? Well, here, I'm not sure why people be against. I haven't. I don't here, know.
0: Here's here's my take. I, I am I'm going to vote yes, but I do think that with all the problems with alcohol, I don't know. I'm going to probably put my pigeonhole myself here in a box. But people have enough shit to deal with alcohol, and it's hard enough with one. Le- and alcohol is a drug. Make no mistake. And oh, yeah. now you're going to add another drug. For people to deal with, and I think that that potentially could be problematic. But the only thing, the one thing I will say is the type of drug it is, when what it does and its effects are night and day. But uh, people out. are already dealing with it. I know. It's I know. Already. I know. But I guess one argument would be that you know you're at you're just you're just legalizing another drug, so it's like you have the you're compounding a problem. I guess is one school of thought. That's that's my devil's advocate. But in in the end, I, I'm for it.
1: Well, maybe it wouldn't seem so like taboo and gateway and like,
0: ooh, what's that do? I don't know. Well, that's the, the gateway thing it, is bullshit because no? you can't point your finger at weed because alcohol is the exact same thing. Well, I, as a gateway. No, I, I agree. I agree. But I guess what I'm saying is
1: maybe it would like, I don't know, it would not
0: the like tabooness around it because it is illegal. Right. And people are like, "Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's going to take years. That's just time though. Eventually. Yeah. It'll take time. I
1: remember smoking pot as a teenager. I was like, I'm going to
0: jail. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: How how long am I going to
0: Yeah. It has that. And I I don't, I think it's a super complex issue. I just think that, uh, Ultimately though, I come back to like, I think uh, introspection and it makes you think in a different way and I think this country and this world would be different if people, without sounding too hippie, yo man, but it does. It makes you think in uh, a different light and uh, I think that that's an important aspect to take into consideration when you think about people when they look at things, if it if somehow they maybe could see things from a different perspective, they might be a little more open, and it creates an openness, and therefore people will be a little more accepting of things. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. You think by legalizing it? Uh, well, I'm just the properties alcohol versus like what alcohol does to people. I and, I, and my other point is that like, go to any ER in the country you know, 80% of their visits are alcohol related. How many, like, if oh, you listen, yeah. if you look at the statistics of ERs, yeah. all the bullshit, and those are the people on the front lines of, of emergencies and people dealing with bullshit. How many of those uh, admittances are alcohol related? Well, plus if, all right, they're looking at pot,
1: marijuana as like a way of combating diseases or providing relief or or, you know,
0: Totally. That's the you know, other- and,
1: and the fact that it like alcohol does not do those things. Yeah. It Maybe maybe a relief thing. I don't know. I, I don't think you you know, if you do drink alcohol for relief, you know, from an illness or something, it's it's gonna have its effect. Like I think over time, that's potentially negative. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it does to your body, you know, I think is harsher. I don't know, maybe yeah. I'm wrong. I'm not. A, I'm not a scientist. Uh, but you're a or, musical scientist. A, yeah, you're a musical oh, so scientist. Good. So, so
0: that gives you the right to say. Yeah, here's
1: my, yeah, <laughs> here's my cred. Um, so, the fact that it even has a shred of that makes it a, a more positive thing. You know,
0: the fact that it could be used for something. Yeah. Big. My brother has a um, a friend who's going through uh, late stage pancreatic and wow. he, he's using medical marijuana so I mean it's clear that it's you know no. it has absolutely uh, and then the CBD thing, the canon that uh, supposedly flushes out cancer cells I just mm-hmm. think it's it's pretty groundbreaking the The big scary thing too though is you have all these big pharma companies that are going to come in and start dominating it and that's scary and what potentially altering it yeah, or just like, you know, there's good, there's a, it's already going on. The huge push, everyone's you yeah. know, you're gonna have like Monsanto weed, right? Which is scary, and I don't know the answer, so I'm gonna shut the up. Uh, of course, uh, podcast about music turns into drug. <laughs> d- drug How cliche is that? <laughs> I know. Oh man. Um, do you have any questions for me? Because let's, let, no. I, I wanted you to, I wanted, I'm glad that you took the time to come on. I, I wanted people, I think a lot of people have seen you play, but don't know much about you mm-hmm. on Nantucket. And I well, thought this is a good chance for them to get to know you and your background. Thanks for exposing. Um, do I have any questions for you? You don't have to answer. We're, no, that's, that's we're,
1: we're yeah. talking see, for, there you go. I asked the question. Yeah, (laughs) see,
0: I told you. Um, uh,
1: Why do you hate me so much? Do you regret bringing
0: (laughs) (laughs) What's up with that? Is Lance Mountain the worst band you've ever played in? One of them. It's the longest band you've ever played in. mm, Six years. Oh, perfect timing. Well,
1: essentially, I'm still in other bands, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, the, Lance Mountain's a... They just haven't played in a long time. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that? What, what? Lance Mountain? No, the other bands I haven't played in a while. like Spooky? And no, Violent May. I haven't played with...
1: I did not play with that band that much this summer.
0: We're going through some growing pains. Well, that's oh. a... We can... Did you have a good time? This, this is your first podcast, so this is the first time we've ever done it. No, too. I do podcasts. Like, this is like a daily thing for me. Just wake up, get an interview. All right, here's my wrap-up tone of voice. Watch this. Hey! <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is perfection. Well, F- Floyd Kellogg, thank you so much for taking the time to come on today. I hope uh, Nantucket, I'm glad that you call it your home. I'm glad that uh, I ended up here through you. Uh, I now have a wife and child because of you. (laughs) (laughs) That's yeah. You're one. I can. I can. I can honestly say you. You are hands down one of the best musicians I've ever played with, and uh, you know, you're a pro, total pro. And Nantucket is lucky to have you on the island. And uh, you know, you can see Floyd playing in Foggy Roots. Uh uh huh. Buckle and Shake, Earth Got the Blues, Coco Vin. Were you in Coco Vin once? No. No. I never recorded their thing. Their I know. First record. Floyd's in every or, band. Well, you then you can look up the original bands. Do you think that people get a little sick of you? Maybe a little annoyed, like, oh my God, this guy Here guy's comes a, this asshole. Here comes this asshole. <laughs> <laughs> if I have to look at this jackass oh, one don't more time. I doubt it.
1: Uh, I, I get sick. I feel bad sometimes. That I'm like God. I'm like I think I've overstayed the welcome a little bit. I here. think
0: sometimes people when we play at the brewery with Lance Mountain, I think there's some people that have come for summer after summer. Like oh God,
1: here <laughs> I can't stand these guys. They're
0: like oh God, here he's doing the hello Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. Oh God, he's still doing the same shtick. We're gonna get a new shtick. You
1: we, just you wait, people. 2017 new shtick flipped around. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Costumes, uh, big hair. Um, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do want to say check out online the original bands I'm in, which are Violent May, M A E May. Um, you scream, I scream. That's another. And if you look back, you check out Spooky Daily Pride. But yeah, those are. And then yeah, Doug. Uh, Look for a record from Buckle and Shake.
0: Are we going to do a record? You heard it right here. Yeah. We're doing a record. I'm just doing my social media. <laughs> Don't mind me. Uh, do so, have, uh, yeah. Um, that's it. We've been, we've been talking too long. People are like, good. oh, my God, these guys are still talking. Jesus, it's an hour and 40. I tried. All right, to- this
1: is a sympathy podcast.
0: No, it's not. I did I, I always wanted to have you on and this is ep- this is forty episodes, dude. Wow, that's kudos to It's cool, man. That. Yeah. That's forty episodes and you know, you're an essential part of the Nantucket community, Floyd. Where do you get the stamina? Where do you get uh, the stamina? Where do you get the stamina? Stanima. I was just gonna start asking people that. You do have a stamina that's crazy. When I see them. Yeah. Alright, there it is. Floyd Kellogg, folks, on Nantucket. Nantucket's premier musician. We'll just leave it at that. Proud to call him friend. Proud to call him musician. Proud to call him jerk store. They're running out of you. This is why Floyd is amazing. Watch this, folks. I'm going to take you out on this because he can do anything. He can rip on anything. Whether it's music. Mm -hmm. He has ability to work with other people musically or rhythmically. And that's how how you you do it. I always say, you gotta go find the car keys, even if you left them them in in the the bar. bar. (laughs) Oh, God.
1: God. Oh.
0: I didn't think we were going to end up talking about uh, the, the marijuana issue. That was, a, that, was, that was a curveball. But that's what happens on these podcasts. And it's supposed to, uh, you're supposed to hear the conversation. And hopefully you guys enjoyed that. And uh, hopefully you guys get a better feeling for who Floyd Kellogg is. Musician, sound engineer, father, and now Nantucket, a resident. We're lucky to have a guy like Floyd out here. And I would encourage any of you guys that are thinking about recording any music, uh, definitely hit Floyd up, because he's the man for the job. You know, he's a total pro. He's been doing it a long time. He's got rock and roll in his blood. Man, you know, he's an inspiration, man. He is. I'd I'd be lying if I say he wasn't. You know, he pushes, uh, I find myself pushing my, when I play with him, I find myself pushing my, you know, wanting to get better, you know, because he's just such a natural. I'm the kind of musician where I have to work and practice and practice and practice. Not that he doesn't practice, but uh, I'm just way behind. And I've given up to that. I succumbed to the fact that it's going to be an evolving, an evolving craft of mine, just getting better. But uh, you know, Floyd just is, uh, sets the bar pretty high. Hope you guys enjoyed that. There it is, folks. Episode forty down. Floyd Kellogg takes it. What do you think, Floyd? Are you psyched to your episode 40? Well, hopefully Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that. And uh, why don't we listen to one of Floyd's many bands. We'll have You Scream, I Scream take us out, finish that song out, Car. It's one of my favorite songs by the band. Who is playing next week? Uh, they haven't been playing in a while. They're, they have a show next week at the Cow Barn uh, out by the airport, which is, should be a fun, rocking show. Looking forward to it, as always. Guys, get out there, rake the leaves, enjoy the November air. Pretty soon, we're bitching it's the holiday season, so enjoy this little window before it kicks in. All right, guys, that's it. As always, thanks for the click. I am Doug Cody. This is Inside the Whale. Over and out.